FCS football podcast with Joe DeLeon. Well, let's get fat. And Sean Anderson. I am a soothsayer. Welcome back to the FCS Football Podcast presented to you by the Believe Podcast Network. I am Joe DeLeon, joined by my wonderful friend and former teammate, Mr. Sean Anderson. We are the FCS Football Podcast. Like I have said, the best source for FCS football analysis out there, giving you the voices of two former URI football players. Everything you need to know about FCS football, we do everything we can to give exactly that to you. Today's show, we are continuing on with the long streak of FCS conference previews throughout this offseason process, and then eventually we will get on to talking about positional players, but the next conference that we have up on our list is the SOCON, the Southern Conference, an interesting, unique one that has a lot of multiple option-based offenses on those teams, and those teams in themselves are some of the best in the SOCON. Before we get to that, though, Sean, we do have a couple headlines we want to address the first one being one that we got from our friend, friend of the show, Mr. Craig Haley of Stats FCS. He tweeted out that there are four teams that failed to meet the academic progress rate in order to be able to compete in the postseason for the 2021 season. Those four teams, Howard, McNeese State, Prairie View A&M, and Stephen F. Austin. So those four teams will not be able to participate in the postseason if they have good seasons. And Sean, I think that right now, this is not really a case of they don't have smart guys on their roster, but I would honestly point that this might be some back-end structural issues that they don't have a strong academic support system for a lot of their guys. I think normally, as student-athletes, we're kind of coddled. Uh, given the availability of tutors and academic advisors specifically for you. Um, and then with the uh, shift as of late to the to strictly online classes, that's taken away a lot of the, the safety net that student athletes are provided uh, when they're actually at uh, a school. So as as not disappointed or frustrated as as the word, but I'd say frustrated as I want to be that these teams couldn't uh, uh, be credible for the postseason this upcoming year. I, I, I can feel and empathize that if you take away a lot of the support staff, there's probably going to be some ramifications like that from, from student-athletes. Uh, because, I mean, we played with guys who, if, we, if they didn't have, or even me didn't have that kind of support staff, it'd be a lot different picture. Uh, so you take that away and it, it goes from being frustrated to just being upset at the circumstances. And it, yeah, just upset at the circumstances that these teams will not have the ability to go after uh, postseason play. And I can say from my personal perspective, I didn't need the academic support system as much as some other guys did. And well, this guy took Calcon College. Yeah, I did take Cal- No, I'm just we don't need to talk about that. We don't need to dive into that, Sean. But, <laughs> you know, there's some guys that had probably undiagnosed learning disabilities and needed some help. But towards the end of my college career and after football was over in this final semester, I was dealing with a lot of technical issues with making sure I just graduated. And if I didn't have somebody to talk to and multiple people that I knew could help me. 
I, I honestly would have been in just as equal of a, a crummy situation, not knowing if I properly graduated or potentially not have graduated because of a credit issue. So I, I really honestly put this a little bit more on the schools. I think that they need to fix what they have structurally. I'm not going to blame the kids because these guys are out there. They're focusing on football. Some of these guys really think to themselves, hey, you know, the NFL is what I want to do and that's where I want to be next. And they're not going to be as focused no matter what. We saw that all the time at URI. Some guys should have been more focused than they weren't, but they were held accountable by that support staff. So I really, I, I have to put a little bit of blame on them. Shame on them for not doing the right mm. thing, not helping them, not supporting some of these kids because some guys just need that little bit of help of saying like, hey, did you did you check, go to your test? Did you go to class today? Did you get your homework? Did you get your books? Did you finish your assignment? Do you need someone to help you with your assignment? It has to be based on that and also a little bit of what you said, this second semester transition to strictly online for a lot of guys that if they have to just wake up and turn into a Zoom call, some people might not really have the incentive or forget to even just wake up and tune in. I mean, you never skipped a class in your college career. No. I can't say the same about myself. <laughs> uh, and if I'm presented with a nice fishing day or to sit in my basement listening to a, a communications professor, it's going to be a toss-up for me personally. But that's just me. Um, <laughs> so I can, I, I, I'm glad that we could see all ends of the spectrum on this one. <laughs> yeah, Sean's a real role model for young FCS student athletes, Division One student athletes. Hey, I'm a good role model for those that want to become well rounded and and, uh, and skipping class. And, and and other and, men of the Renaissance. Uh-huh. You, could, you could call it that. <laughs> Another headline, though, that we have, Sean, and a really interesting one, actually coming from one of these schools that made the list of of those that are ineligible for the postseason next year, Kalen Newton decided where he was going to transfer. And if you recall, last year was the first year we saw this new phase of players where if they were at smaller schools, they felt that they were doing well enough, they could find a way to transfer to the next level because of, or a higher, better team, because of this new red shirt rule, which allows guys to play four games, still maintain their red shirt. So the best example, De'Eric King of Houston, he took advantage of this rule. He grad transferred to the University of Miami, where he will likely be the starting quarterback. But Kayla Newton, the younger brother of Cam Newton, former Heisman Trophy winner at Auburn, and also former first round pick out of Auburn, Kayla Newton is heading to that same school, will be a... Um, a member of the War Eagle. He was going to Auburn. And Sean, when we were talking about this the other day, I didn't really recognize at first who was ahead of him. But once you actually think to yourself, wait a minute, he's going to where Bo Nix, a, a standout freshman, is the starting quarterback. It really kind of draws some questions as why he might be wanting to transfer there. Maybe he just likes the atmosphere and he wants to be a part of the Auburn football program. Or, and he's not as focused on making it to the next level. Maybe he's considering the options of transitioning to other positions, or he's ready to compete with Bo Nix. I, I, we've seen it. You have quarterbacks that come in to to schools, and it's a, it could be a crapshoot. It could be they have a great resume and they don't work, or they have a, a not so impressive resume and they turn up turn out to be studs. The quarterback position is really fickle. So we don't know how Bo Nix is going to evolve uh, this next year, but we have a pretty good snapshot of what Kalen Newton can do from his time at Howard and 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 his potential and promise and his rap sheet so far. So I think that 
I'm not saying it's open. Obviously, Bo Nix is going to go into this next season the starter. But that's not saying that Kalen Newton can't come in there and light a fire underneath of him. Because I, I'm, I promise you, the the Auburn faithful are like, oh, Cam Newton's little brother. That's interesting, you know? It, they're they're, they're going to be a little... I think they're going to be more optimistic to him uh, entering a game than just uh, some other... Uh, random quarterback, just given the circumstances. The other thing that's a little bit surprising to me, and we, we watched him play, we know he's a really talented kid, and he has the, that potential. He's obviously not the six foot five quarterback that his brother is. He's a little bit closer to six foot five foot eleven. He has a good skill set, and I honestly thought that he was going to end up playing at a a small FBS program, a mid like an American Conference type team. Or we were also even considering the option of if he could have transferred to Auburn. Why wouldn't he take advantage of these opportunities of these lesser-known, secure quarterback situations in these big conferences, these Power Five conferences? Like I could have either seen him gone to like a USF or a UCF, or I could have seen him go and flourish at a Kentucky or a Vanderbilt or uh, you know a Pittsburgh. They'll actually they have a good quarterback situation, but like a team that's more towards the middle or, or bottom end of their conference that just needs a little bit of a spark to their program. I think he wants to be the big man on campus. And at Auburn, you are presented with that opportunity. So I, I think that's what he, what he wants to do. He wants to live that dream life of being a, a top-lauded FBS football player. I think that's that's what he wants. I'm but that's just me. That's just that's my speculation. I've heard nothing of the sort. I'm sure in a, whenever he talks to media, he's just going to say, yeah, I think this is the best spot for me. I'm just looking to compete. I think that's what he's going to say. I think that's what he should say, uh, but I, I, I think it would be foolish to assume that he didn't want to go to Auburn because of all that Auburn has to offer. Yeah, and I'm also sure that Cam had some type of influence in this one way or another. You, you, you can't deny that he would have at least inspired him to go there or had spoken to the people in the coaching staff there at Auburn to help make this thing happen so his brother could have a really good opportunity with a really good program. Sean, after that, though, besides our news headlines, we have for the rest of today's show – a ton to cover with the SoCon Conference. As I said in the intro and the opener, there's a lot of fun teams in this conference. We've got teams with guys that can really sling the rock. We also have some teams that will run the ball right down your throats and run that triple option until it fails. In most cases, some of these offenses almost never fail. If we're taking a look at last year's standings, though, Sean, Wofford was the winner of the SoCon. They had a 7-1 conference record, 8-4 and overall, made it to the FCS playoffs as as you would assume from winning the SoCon uh, with that automatic bid. Furman also made the playoffs 8-5, and 6-2, and two, just behind Wofford. Chattanooga, who many thought was going to be potentially competing for that top spot, had a bit of an iffy downturn towards the end of the season, didn't really finish as strong as you would have hoped, 6-6, six 5-3, and, six, and, and also losing their quarterback, who played in the NFL PA Bowl game, Nick Tiano. The Citadel, who another team that everyone I think really thought could have come out and shocked some people. They shocked Georgia Tech with a huge victory over them, but were not able to compete well enough in the SoCon. They finished 6-6, six 4-4, and six, four and four, looking for a rebound year for them. Some big pickups should help them. Sanford, huge drop-off year for them after they lost Duck Hodges, Delvin Hodges. If you don't know who Duck is, the Pittsburgh Steelers step-in quarterback midway through the season, 5-7, and 4-4. Four and four. VMI five and seven, four and four, and then just looking at the bottom end of this conference, three and eight, 
One's one and seven was ETSU, who, in my opinion, had an incredibly disappointing disappointing season despite having some really talented, also one very notable NFL talent guy in Nasir Player. Sean, why don't you start us off here with our first key returner, a guy that has a really live arm and some NFL teams will be looking at him after the end of the season. Well, if you're a big fan of the show, you've heard this name before. Samford quarterback Chris Oladukun, uh, six foot two, 195, prominently featured in our fat stats segments. He goes off uh, previously at USF last year through for 2058 yards, 18 touchdowns. He had 491 rushing yards and eight rushing touchdowns. The guy's a beast. And it, it, when he was on fat stats, it wasn't just because he threw for 370 yards and three touchdowns. He also in those games ran for 102 rushing touchdowns. That's what Oladukun brings to your team when he is ready to ignite and he's ready to go off in a game he's going to go off and that is the potential that I think Samford is looking for obviously they're going to look for that in a more consistent rate uh and if he could do that in more games that he doesn't Samford's going to be shaping up at the top of the SoCon this year yeah and he was really the best quarterback that they had did not start the season missed a little bit time towards the end but when he was able to start and play full games he was looking in very, very good. He looked incredible in a lot of these games. Uh, as you mentioned, the fact that he made the fat stats list a number of times because of those huge games he had. Just need a little bit more consistency from him in that, that Samford offense that is notorious for having really gaudy passing statistics for their quarterbacks. But when I see Oladoke and I see a guy, decent arm, but I think the one thing you're really getting out of him in terms of a prospect and as a player is just a really, really good athlete. And sometimes when you see at this college level with these guys that are really athletic and have a really good presence in the pocket and an understanding of how to use their legs to their advantage. Sometimes these guys are a little bit too trigger happy when it comes to if they don't see their first read, they're just going to pull it and then they're going to run and they're going to go pick up 10 yards. Eventually at a certain point when a team starts spying your quarterback and you start doing that stuff, you're going to get planted at some point and those options aren't going to really open up. But he is not that type of a quarterback. Despite having that ability to do it, he is very patient. He waits to see what's in front of him. And then Samford will even go ahead and find ways to work him in with some quarterback design runs because he has that that leg drive, that, that strength. And he also has really good size as a runner uh, to pick up some plays on his feet. Sean, our next quarterback, though, is I think the best draft prospect in this year's SoCon class. That is VMI quarterback Reese Udinsky, six foot four, two twenty-four. You gotta love that size. You gotta love that frame. Last year he threw for three thousand two hundred and seventy-six yards, nineteen touchdowns, and five interceptions. Sean, why do we think here though that he is the best guy for uh, being a good draft prospect? It's got to be the size. It's got to be the arm. I feel like we're we're the uh, we're the scouts in Moneyball here, where we just talk about oh he's got a major league swing, you know he's got a hot girlfriend, he's got an ugly girlfriend. I, I feel like we're going around that how we always talk about how good these uh, these guys' frames are, but I mean Udinsky, it, it's it's no joke. I mean he really does have a professional frame on him. Uh, he could throw the ball. He's got a good arm and he makes good decisions when he's in the pocket. And uh, as you uh, your uh, your buddy uh, Ryan Roberts, I believe, has alluded to, he really likes this guy. Yeah, Ryan, who is a, a draft analyst 
uh, with NFL Draft Bible. I do another show with him on a, a separate network that covers the NFL Draft, and he has tweeted about him. He's directly messaged me and told me, hey, you got to check this kid out. He's really talented, and I was like, okay, I'm going to keep my eye out for him when we get to the SoCon, and I did exactly that when I got to watch him. Really like the zip on the ball, you know, really good size, though, for what you want in a traditional-style quarterback. And then to go off of that, too, though, Sean, I just really noticed – Really nice pocket presence. Always knows where he needs to be. He he evaluates if pressure's coming on his backside. He can step up and over to the side. And I was able to see a couple throws where he was throwing off of a, an unnatural base. And that's what you like to see from these college guys. Can they throw off of a, a base that you're not going to be as even and as balanced? Can you throw awkwardly and, and a little bit sidearm? Not not in the sense of Patrick Mahomes, but like what he does where he is not always in a firm position and he always is able to throw it very cleanly and accurately. And with the NFL having more and more issues with consistent offensive line play, guys are always going to have to step in uh, and, and be able to, to play with oncoming traffic coming at them. Yeah, the ability to have a clean ball despite what's going on at your feet or torso. I mean, that's something that that is highly lauded at the NFL level. Now, uh, I'm going to dive into our first running back here. Furman running back Devin Wynn, six feet tall, 203 pounds. Last year uh, ran for 1,182 yards and 14 touchdowns. Obviously, Furman really run heavy teams, so these numbers might feel a little bloated with how much they run the ball. But when I see this guy, um, it's really hard for me to draw a comparison uh, I almost wanted to say Fred Jackson, but not Fred Jackson. Uh, he runs upright, uh, but not with super high knees. Uh, he doesn't seem to have any major gear changes, but he gets everything done. Like he will consistently run the rock down the field and get positive net yardage. And that's what you need for a, a Furman running back. He is the guy that can tote the rock all game. And at the end of the day, you're going to say, wow, I'm glad he was toting the rock for us. Yeah, and the other thing, too, that I really saw with Wynn is that he's a, a forward progression type running back. He's not going to always look for going east-west, finding a way to get an alley to go 40 yards, and sometimes it's not working out. Kind of the Saquon Barkley, Barry Sanders effect. We see with some of these shifty guys, but he's not super shifty. He just finds the hole, has good blocking in front of him, falls forward, and gets those extra yards and getting a three- to four-yard gain every single time, or he can break off a bigger run with the right lane in front of him. The other thing, too, I noticed with Wynn is that I feel like he has a really fast acceleration rate coming out of his stance, and when he's getting that handoff, that is a very underrated trait because those guys yeah. that can pick up speed really quickly, it doesn't give the opposing defense enough time to react. So by the time he's at the line of scrimmage, you're like, oh, okay, they're running in you know, the, this right A-gap here. We need to, to step up and stop him. He's already a couple yards up the field. Yeah, I, that that that's one um, one aspect that I'm glad you picked up on because I'm trying to figure out when I'm watching him what what is it that's letting him break off these big gainers and it's okay at the snap of the ball he's at the line of scrimmage and that's what it is. Sean, our next running back that we have and our our only of the two running backs we have here is an interesting one because he was a, a huge standout running back, arguably the best running back in the SoCon last year. But he's not playing with the same team. He's actually playing for a rival team next season. That is Alex Ramsey, formerly of VMI, now of the Citadel of all schools. Last year, so productive uh, at six foot two twenty five, rushed for thirteen hundred yards and then twenty two touchdowns. Any instance within ten yards of the goal line, 
out of gun, whatever, they were handing him the, handing him the ball. That inside zone, he was he's just a mean runner. He's a big dude. He doesn't mess around. He's coming in. He's going to smack you in the mouth. If you get any penetration along the line of scrimmage, he doesn't care. He's not going to try and dance around you. He's going to run right through you. He has that power. I love his leg drive. I love his motor. I love what I see in him. And I know that going to the Citadel, even though it's an odd choice after rushing for 22 touchdowns, they're going to use the crap out of him, and he's going to have so much production. Yeah, Ramsey has what I like to call a binary mentality. Get the ball and go forward. And that's what he's going to do with the Citadel. Our first wide receiver on the list, Chattanooga wide receiver Bryce Nunnally. Number 19 on the field for you, six foot two, 190. Uh, last year, he had a, a down year compared to his sophomore season. This past year, he had uh, 57 catches, 794 yards, and five touchdowns compared to uh, last year where he had, or two years ago, 1,200 yards and seven touchdowns. Uh, what I see from Nunnally is he's a big target uh, for the SoCon. Uh, he's a balanced route runner, meaning that whatever route concept you want to go with, uh, you can include him and he can always be a viable target. And he's got good, reliable hands. Uh, I, I'm still yet to see one specific trait that makes him a definitive NFL receiver for me yet. But that's not saying that he couldn't have developed it or I haven't seen enough of him yet. Uh, just as of right now, I still haven't seen enough from him, but that doesn't mean he shouldn't be on this list as one of the best returning receivers in the Southern Conference. Yeah, despite him having a bit of a down year, I, I don't think that really hurts him. Um, he is considered to be a draft prospect, one of the better returning receivers and guys that are going to be available for NFL teams to sign in undrafted free agency in 2021. But when I when I see with Nunley, we, we have previously compared him to Cooper Cup. I kind of see like another comp you could go with is maybe Adam Thielen, a guy that's not really like a, a huge burner, a super fast guy, but just really consistent Can I throw in hands. Devery Henderson? I like that one or too. Robert Meacham. I like that. I like both of those too. Just, just so we're not always comparing white receivers to white receivers. I'll, I'll go with Devery Henderson and Robert Meacham. Thank you. Thanks, Sean. Um, the the way though that I was going off of that is just like not super fast, uh, really good hands, just so consistent. I mean, like Adam Thielen and Cooper Cup aren't tremendous athletes. They're neither uh, were Henderson or Meacham. Yeah, I mean Cooper Cup ran like a four seven at the combine. Like everyone was like, oh my god, he's so slow. Everyone thought he was going to be, uh, you know, a burner, but he runs a, a slow 40, and he's still very productive in the slot. That's what you're going to get with Nunley. He's going to get you those catches, uh, you know, those crossing routes across the middle of the field. He's not afraid of contact. I think that's a really good comp for him. Uh, next player, another good receiver in the SoCon for a team that doesn't really throw the ball much, still managed to have pretty good production. Citadel wide receiver, Raleigh Webb, number 22, 62205, similar size to Bryce Nunley. 30 receptions, 617 yards. Nothing you want to shake a stick at, but the one thing you do catch your eye on, 10 touchdowns for him. The thing you really get out of, of, of Webb here is that he is a big play threat, and he's also a huge red zone target, which is why, in any passing situation, he was the guy that they were going to, even though they barely threw the ball. The thing that catches my my eye most is that he wears the number 22 in that beautiful Citadel uniform. It's like a throwback Lance Allworth wearing 21 uh, with the former uh, Chargers. Uh, but the guy, you, I, I could tell immediately in watching his film, and I, I, I rate speed how um, college coaches look at high school athlete speed, which is 
uh, this is where I learned it uh, from one of my coaches. We were just watching film, and it was uh, he talks about how many times that foot hit and that the the feet hit within a five or ten yard mark. And with uh, Webb, it's very very fast that rotation of the legs and how many times the feet are hitting, and that's. Um, that's something that really stands out uh, for me with Webb. Now on to the Anderson patch, which is what I would like to deem the uh, the offensive line breakdown. You uh, want to offen- yeah. make a sweeper for that? The Anderson patch? Yeah, you want to make a sweeper for it? I can do that. What, 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 what I don't know, fully man. would go into that? I don't know, man. A lot of pad hitting, a lot of, a lot of grunting for the O-linemen. I think we could brand you uh, a little bit better you know you want a five to eight minute sounder of a whole bunch of grunting yeah <laughs> okay i can make that <laughs> well, I mean, two offensive line. yeah i was just gonna say i mean you're talented enough with all this uh this these sweepers and intros you've been doing you might as well get a little fun and creative with it i don't mean to go too much on a tangent there that's uh, fine you know i was thinking it was gonna be like you know the big bulls out grazing. You know the patch with the offensive line. Oh, then, I like that. Oh, you, know, you should my, do my... something like that. I think that's a good idea. Get like a, like a prairie kind of like a like a field kind of sound going. Like a yeah. Like a... It, it was originally inspired because of our former uh, teammate Tyler Whipper would also would always call the uh, offensive lineman at URI the uh, the herd. Uh, he's <laughs> like, I'm not messing with the herd. Here comes the herd. Whenever whenever inside run came. Uh, <laughs> Gosh, off tangent here. My two offensive linemen, uh, Chattanooga guard Cole Strange, number sixty-nine on film. If you're looking at him, six foot five, two ninety. And what I picked up from him, aside from how well he blocks, is I can tell when he's in the game, he's mentally thinking about the drills and situations in practice that'll correlate to the situation he's in in the game. Whether it's pre- pass protecting and keeping his eye on the back, or he's uh, supposed to be IDing or taking care of. Or if it's just uh, how he approaches getting to the second level on a, on a double team block. Uh, and sometimes offensive linemen, when you get in the game, you forget to practice stuff and you just play super instinctively. And you play uh, and you forget some of that stuff just because you want to really put down the guy in front of you. But this guy, uh, Strange, he's a sponge when it comes to the field. And the second offensive lineman here is Furman guard Jordan Harris, number 71 on film. Six foot four, three hundred three. Uh, what I see from him is he moves with intent, whether it be pulling or trying to get to the second level. Uh, he's definitely a guard from the play style that I've seen, and his point of contact in the run game is—he's uh, consistently making an effort to get his helmet lower uh, than the defensive lineman's uh, helmet. Which, when you get to college football, it is one of the most difficult aspects of run blocking because if you get too low, defensive lineman is going to push you in the dirt. And if you're up high, you're going to be uh, pushing, getting pushed back in the backfield. Harris does a really good job with his, uh, with his helmet height. Yeah, he's certainly a mauler. That was the one thing that stood out to me. He just likes kicking the crap out of people in front of him. I watched him on like a passing play, which doesn't happen often for Furman. And he was just shoving the hell out of whoever was in front of them. They were not having a fun time going up against him. And I love that mentality, seeing that with offensive linemen, just having that mean demeanor uh, along the offensive line. Sean, our last offensive player and also wide receiver, Jacob Harris, number 14, big, big frame, long arms, awesome option for uh, for Udinsky to find whenever he needs some help. He's six foot four, two eleven. Last year, one thousand ninety-one receiving yards, seventy-two receptions, and eight touchdowns. The thing I get with Harris here is that same boat as 
we were talking about with Nunnally is that he's not this super athletic guy, and he's a lot bigger, so he's gonna he's not gonna move as quickly because he's got a lot larger of a frame to carry with him. But the way that they used him is finding him contested catch situations. I love seeing these big receivers who know that they can overpower these tiny FCS cornerbacks. There's there's a lot of five foot nine, five foot ten guys. You can't really do much if you're five foot ten unless you have a huge vertical to tip a ball away. But he's got strong hands, almost like that that tight end mentality when he's going up and getting the ball and not messing around. And then two, he, they, they they'll find him crossing routes. Across the middle of the field, he's too big for linebackers to really lay the boom on and try and knock him out and knock the ball out. Big-bodied player, not afraid of contact, just grabbing the ball out of the air, plucking it out of the air and making plays. Yeah, these SoCon defensive backs are nothing to sneeze at, but they're not facing a ton of six four guys like that. So if you're a VMI, you understand that uh, you can cause some problems within that defensive backfield. Now, on to our first defensive player, Furman defensive lineman Adrian Hope. Number 81 on film, six foot one, 218 pounds. Last year, racked up 40 tackles, 10 tackles for loss, and six and a half sacks. I know Joe really digs this guy. Uh, Joe, would you please enlighten us on this uh, gentleman? Um, I wouldn't say dig. I, I like what he does, but he is, Adrian Hope is, I think, one of the most frustrating players to watch because I think he's really talented and his, his hands are really good. His, his ability to rip and all he's very creative with what he does with his hands. But the problem is, is because he's so light, like he's 218 pounds coming off the edge. If you worked your way up and he needs to work his way up to like 250, 260, and that sounds like a lot of weight to put on, but you need to be that heavy if you're going to hold the edge. And if you want to find that potential to keep playing, if he does try to keep playing, they're probably going to move him back to outside linebacker, if I were to guess. But if he adds this weight, I think he could be so good. He's athletic. He's twitchy. But because he's so light in, in these run situations, if if these bigger offensive tackles latch onto him, they're just, they bully him. He's too light. You, no matter how good you are, if you're 218 pounds, you're not going to handle yourself against a really good offensive tackle that's good in run blocking. He needs to add some weight, and I think that if, if this next season, if we at least see him at 240, he could be a serious problem. Well, I guess I read the uh, the, the energy of the notes wrong, but I, uh, I can't argue with anything that you just stated, Joe. Why don't you get on to our next <laughs> defensive lineman? All right, well, thank you for agreeing with me. Chattanooga defensive tackle... <laughs> Uh, Devonsha Maxwell, number 90, six foot two, 275, like that weight a little bit better than the, the, the weight that Hope has. Uh, 46 tackles, 13 tackles for loss, and seven sacks. Sean, you see a guy that just eats up blockers. Yeah, uh, when I'm watching Maxwell, his line of scrimmage variance is very low meaning he does not give up yardage on the line of scrimmage whether it's taking on one blocker or two you can't just put one blocker on this guy he is violent uh and his shed ability ability is uh very very good and watching him every play that he's not running a stunt uh he is the definition of the defensive line explode and punch drill on the bag i mean his hips and his hands and his back angle are always exactly how you want them. I mean, it's always a perfect launch angle into the chest of whatever offensive lineman is 
put in front of him. I would not have wanted to go against this guy. He is a menace. Uh, I am all in on him. And I, I, I honestly expect his numbers aside from tackle. Uh, I'd say sacks doubled this year, and I bet he gets to uh, 19 tackles for losses. Wow. Already calling your shots there for him saying he's going to go 14. But a bit of a space eater. Love what he does on tape. He's a not too much of a space eater, but just... Like you said, takes up blocks, takes up space, frees up stuff for linebackers. Number nine for the Citadel, uh, All-American Willie Eubanks, the third, six foot two, two thirty, eighty-five tackles last year, six point five tackles for loss. Uh, I love this guy. Uh, what I see from him is he has arms like anacondas. I mean, they just reach and reach and reach, and they don't let go when you're making a tackle. He always has great posture as a linebacker, and his fits in the run game and how quickly. He analyzes where uh, the running back's going to be when he gets in that gap. It, it, it's all textbook, and if you get wrapped up in his arms, it's it's no good for you. And it, it's probably the only guy I've seen from the Southern Conference or really in the FCS where I'm looking at it. I'm like, okay, yeah, you can arm tackle. That he's the only guy. <laughs> yeah, Eubanks for me though, a very experienced linebacker, um, good size that he he brings. Pretty rangy, and I like what you said though with those with those arms. When you have long arms as a defender, it's harder to block you. You can lock out and and, and really add extension between you and a blocker, and it also makes things a lot easier when you're trying to wrap guys up and make tackles. Sean, next player, our last linebacker, Samford inside linebacker and also outside linebacker, John Stanton, number thirty-three, six foot one. A little bit on the later side, 215, 115 tackles. The reason why I said he's uh, inside and outside linebacker, they moved him around a little bit, used him in the inside, watched him go on the outside a little bit also too. So they're not afraid to find different opportunities for him to make plays. They know that he's a really smart, instinctive guy that's been around for a while and has that type of awareness that you want that translates to production. The other thing, too, that I see with him, I just see very active feet, guy that's always moving around, always trying to track and see where the ball is going, always finding ways to get to the ball. Yeah, I really like uh, Staten, Staten also. Uh, if Obviously, we already know who my linebacker guy is on this list, but I'll, uh, I'll jump right into our uh, first defensive back, Chattanooga cornerback Brandon Dowdle. Uh, number one on film, if you're looking for him, five foot ten, 195 pounds. Last year, 45 tackles, five passes defended, and two interceptions. This guy is aggressive at corner. I like that these Southern Conference defensive backs, they're recruited because they know they're going to have to make a lot of tackles in the run game. Obviously, you're going to have to cover, but a lot of these teams are very, very run heavy. So you have to have uh, cornerbacks that are going to be able to shed their blocks from the wide receiver and then go and uh, get some ankles or get some get some lower body, and I think that uh, Dowdle does that really well. It was seven passes defense, but still, you know, very very productive oh, what, despite not. What did I say? You said five. Still being uh, pretty productive though, despite not facing as many pass happy teams as you would uh, for some of these other other conferences. Last player and a guy that I think made the list last year, Sean Tyree Robinson, cornerback from ETSU, number sixteen, five foot eleven. 184, and then most notable stat line was 38 tackles. So back-to-back years for Robinson, a guy that is considered to be nationally one of the best defensive backs in ETSU. I would argue probably the best player on ETSU considering how how poorly they did last year. Yeah, uh, he is their bright spot. Mm-hmm. He is easily the bright spot on that team. And he's gonna, <laughs> I, I mean, is there anybody else on that team that, that you put up as captain right now? 
I no, I would easily go with Robinson, no. and he's, yeah, he's Robinson. He's also considered to be a, a, an NFL prospect coming out of the Southern Conference. Sean, we're going to wrap up and give our superlatives for the conference here, but before we get to that, I want to share uh, a message with our sponsor uh, from our sponsor with our fans. Oh, please do. Uh, our advertising partner, BetOnline.ag, who you've heard from pretty much every single week, premiered their special, The Final Dance, with roundtable interviews with ex-Chicago Bulls, Horace Grant, Bill Cartwright, Craig Hodges, and Ron Harper as they discuss ESPN's The Last Dance, uh, the Jordan documentary. There is uh, Here's a clip, though, that you can tune into and hear a little bit of what they talked about. The interesting, most interesting thing of the documentary was watching this perception that Michael was too hard on his teammates. Did you guys feel that way? Was Michael too hard on his teammates? Or that's ridiculous. Great players. We can all battle and compete. I mean, I mean, MJ knew who he could talk to. and knew who he had to push. He, he was one of those guys who made you work harder because you see how he worked. So it made you work harder. And, and there were some guys who he was big on, but I didn't think it was in a way that it was harmful or bullying. It's just that you ain't going to talk crazy to me and don't think I'm going to talk crazy back to you. Right. Now, when he was talking to Scott Boone, Trail and telling Scott stuff, and Scott wasn't mad enough to stand up for who he was. You ain't doing that shit to me. I know. I mean, I wasn't there, and in, in, you know, for the second three Pete, but I knew most of some of the guys on that team, and I know damn well if you're gonna call Hart and a, a few other guys the the bitches and hoes, they weren't gonna stand for that. I'm pretty sure they edited that out of the documentary that Hart going back back at him on that. But saying that, let me clear something up about this food thing, that he tried to take my food. I was just going to ask you. Listen, <laughs> listen to me. Where's the camera? <laughs> I would have beat his ass, guys. <laughs> he can say to the stewardess all he want to, oh, yeah, he shouldn't eat. That's okay. Go ahead. You know, I'm going to say what I have to say. But you come back and try to take my food. I would I would have whipped you there. It wouldn't be no Air Jordan right now. Right. Okay. <laughs> Bill, Bill, stop the fight, Bill. Stop the fight, Bill. Hey, hey. Yeah. It wouldn't have been no six championships. I guarantee you that. And, and Sean, though, it's really interesting getting to hear from those guys. I mean, uh, Horace Grant wasn't really too happy with some of the things from that documentary, so you could probably imagine. No, no, no. Yeah, no. He, uh, I heard some stuff on The Herd, too, that he was talking about. They pulled some sound bites. I wonder if it's from the same thing, but um, he, he was – The Jordan rules? Yeah, he was pretty. He yeah. was pretty pissed though about some of the things that, um, you know, being called out for being a snitch and all that stuff. So tune in to kind of hear all that stuff. There's a really good cast of guys that they have on here. So tune in. Also, there's still fun to be had. So go to betonline.ag and use the promo code MYPOD100 to receive your welcome bonus on your first deposit. Again, that's betonline.ag and use the promo code MYPOD100. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. Sean, as we do every show, we just talked about all these really good guys. If you were to pick one player, and you could probably already guess, folks, the guy that Sean dominated the conversation about, who is your player to watch? 
I'm going defensive again. Uh, Devonsha Maxwell. Uh, he is the Javon Kinlaw of this Southern Conference. Uh, the way that I uh, the the comparison I see between their two games is very similar. Uh, he is my player to watch in every game for Chattanooga. Uh, in basically any defensive snap, keep your eyes on number ninety. I have to go with Alex Ramsey, the running back that is transferring from BMI to the Citadel, and he saw very good production in an offense that was a little bit more passing heavy. I think that now that he's going to the Citadel, this option attack, he fits what they're looking for. He is going to be a focal point for them. They know that they're getting a seasoned guy that can be so productive. I wouldn't be shocked if he had 25 rushing touchdowns, 1,500 yards. He has that ability to have elite production before he enters, um, potentially making it the leap to the professional level. Sean, if you had to decide on a team that you think right now is the biggest sleeper, you know, a, a team that could shock some people, who would you have to have to say? Uh, yeah, I'm going with Samford. Um, I believe in Oladokun, uh, and I think five and seven and, uh, overall record four and four in conference is, um, I don't see them replicating that. I see them being higher than four and four next year. I, I trust in that guy. I trust in the plays that he's about, to, uh, that he can make. Um, he just is enough of a backbone at quarterback to to carry a team to a, a positive record. I'm gonna have to go with VMI for my selection. And last year, not so not as good as they could have been five and seven, four and four. And I think that Alex Ramsey, now that he's gone, it's gonna hurt the run game a little bit. But I think that the the offensive attack is gonna allow Udinsky to really unleash. They're not gonna be as run-oriented. I think they're going to try and let Udinsky take over these games, let him show what he can do with the help of some of his receivers and his offensive line. He's going to have a really productive year and turn himself into a, a notable draft prospect. I talked about Akil Glass from uh, you know uh, the, the previous time when we talked about Alabama A&M, and I see the kind of same type of size, arm talent, all that stuff to make it potentially at the next level. Sean, biggest faller. A team that did really well last year that is going to fall off. Who would you have to pick? Furman. And this is because all last year, uh, uh, Furman is um, unpredictable. They are the Schrodinger's cat of the SoCon. Uh, they are good and also disappointing at the same time. Uh, they're 6-2 and two last year. They're competing with everybody. And then sometimes you see them go out there and it's like, this is not the same team. So I think, I don't think that they're going to replicate back up to six and two. Uh, I think they'll, I, I'm not saying they're going to be with ETSU in the, in the basement, but uh, they will not be six and two next year. Yeah. I agree to disagree for me. I think that the better pick for someone that's going to slip off a little bit. Wofford is a really good program. I don't see, like you said, a, a slip, a fall to the basement or towards the middle. I just see them taking a step back. They're losing Joe Newman, who had multiple accolades last year in the conference as one of the best players. Their starting quarterback, the guy that was leading this offensive t attack, was so productive, tremendous athlete. It is, I'm gonna, I keep doing it every time. It is not easy to transition from a really good senior quarterback to another guy. You don't know what you're getting, and sometimes this is enough to completely derail the momentum of a good team. We saw that exactly happen at URI when Jawan Lawson left and he was able to graduate. 
we weren't able to see consistent play the following season. I think a lot of people would argue it was because we couldn't figure out what we had at quarterback and we didn't know who the guy was and it was a lot of interchangeable in and out. So I'm not saying that's going to particularly happen with Wofford, but I don't know if they really have a guy that it can replace Newman and step in. So they're probably going to lose a couple more games than they did last year. Sean, favorite to win, who are you picking? I'm taking Chattanooga. I like the players that they have. I like that they have returning guys on defense and offense that can contribute. Uh, I like Chattanooga this year, and I'm not saying they don't have a lot of competition. Wofford's good. The Citadel's good. Uh, Furman, even though I picked him as a faller, is still good. I guess my parents upstairs are also picking Chattanooga. If you can hear them, they're saying, go Chattanooga, go. Sean, you had a great pick. But yeah, I'm going with Chattanooga. Wait, did they really? I couldn't hear them. No, they're just screaming. Oh, okay. Um, They're just yelling about dinner or something. (laughs) Welcome to the uh, Sean Anderson household. Uh, My pick, though, I have to go with. I have to go with Furman. I think that they're returning a lot of key players. You talked about Adrian Hope. I think if he gets up to that weight that I'm talking about, he's going to continue to get even better. We saw a step back from him statistically, and I think that was because teams figured out that because he's not that, that, that heavy, he's not that hard to scheme around. But if he added that weight, he can be more of a problem. I also like the fact that they're bringing back Win, a talented running back who was very productive, and also having additional help and a senior um, impact player along their offensive line in Jordan Harris. I think that's enough to really push them forward after being second in the conference. They're going to be really up to that top, and if maybe they don't come in first, they're going to come in second. Sean, I have some very positive news to share with you. We, we talked about this oh. before the show, but I would like to share it with our fans. After the long streak of revealing that we were very wrong the previous years for most of these conferences, you and I both picked last year's winner for the, sou- the Southern Conference correctly. We both picked Wofford. hey Oh man, yeah. I guess Give it, it to him. Yep. Stop yep. calling me. We're winners. We're picking winners. Why am I getting called during the show when we're just talking about our winners? Who's calling Golly. you? Golly, who's calling you? And nobody. That's who's calling me. So one of your friends. Um, yes, I just I have no respect. I I have no respect. All How right. many times do you think I got called earlier during uh, during take one? Three. Four times. Yeah, called four times. Maybe that's why I forgot four to times. turn the recording on. Um, Sean, that's going to be it from us, though. We're at our time <laughs> what limit What about here. questions? We don't have questions? Uh, we did have one question from Ryan, and I think we kind of talked about a little bit. We uh, uh, the, the guys that we thought were going to be draft prospects coming out of this conference. Do you, you want to list a couple guys, though? He had, Ryan was interested in knowing about five guys, but you want to kind of pitch a couple? Well, a couple that I like. Obviously, I like Maxwell. I like Willie Eubanks from the Citadel. And on offense... I do uh, very much like uh, Alex Ramsey. So there's three for you, Ryan. Get me on the Brawl Network, even though you said you would, and I still don't have that. That wasn't that, that, cool. that wasn't on him. That was on on someone else. I'll talk <laughs> to you about him a hard time. I'll talk to you about that after. Yeah, I know. Uh, Udinsky, without a doubt, best prospect in this conference. I like the two linemen that we both named: uh, Cole Strange and Jordan Harris. Uh, and I think that somebody who's going to be under the radar, who's not going to be declaring right now is the VMI receiver Jacob Harris. I think in a year he's going to be very highly talked about from what he was able to do as an underclassman. Um, Defensively though you have to go with Eubanks as a clear cut guy that's going to be very highly sought after. He's going to be a high priority undrafted free agent in terms of talent. So 
That is going to be it for us, Sean, here on the FCS Football Podcast. Be sure to go follow us on social media at Joe DeLeon. You can follow Sean at Sanderson Radio. Follow Believe Podcast at BLEAV Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. Be sure to give us a review on on uh, wherever you listen to us. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Art19, you name it. We are there. You can find us. Again, let us know what you think of the show. If you like it, if you think we could do something differently, if you want us to try something different, talk about something that we're missing out on, we would love to do it. Just give us a heads up and we can certainly uh, accommodate some of your suggestions or we can at least address it and, and let you know why we can't do it. We've, we've had people give us suggestions and responded to them to at least to some extent. Um, also go to believe.com where you can find our show and hundreds of other amazing shows. Next week, Sean, we have the continuum of our FCS conference previews. And the next one is the Southland, the team that I thought on Twitter we were doing today, but we didn't end up doing them, but still send us your Southland questions. We will answer them on that next show. You got anything? You're looking looking at me fine. Nope. I am excited to talk about the Southland next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.